Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hopeless Professional spoiler cast for the entire God of War franchise. We decided to take an in-depth look at all three of the main games, plus a little bit of the side games Chains of Olympus and Ghost of Sparta, as we are anticipating and getting ready for the newest release, God of War 2018, which releases in just over a week. Please take a listen. This was actually meant to be a little shorter than it ended up being, so we had to divide it into two parts, as you'll see by the abrupt ending. This is part one, and part two will follow immediately after. Thank you. Welcome back to the Hopeless Professionals Podcast. This is Travis. Hey, Travis. It's Damon. And we're going to do something a little bit different this week. If this isn't your cup of tea, we certainly you know, understand Episode 4 is slated to be released next week. But uh, with all the God of War talk, we wanted to come up with a, uh, a podcast where we could go through the first three games of God of War so we can really get even more excited for the fourth release on April 20th. Yeah, so what, what you can expect from this episode here is we're going to take a full rundown of the story, so spoilers will be included. We're not going to spare any detail in regards to the three games in the main trilogy. So you're, this is your warning now. We're going to go in chronological order, one, two, and then three. So if at any point you want to duck out, that's fine. Yeah, so hopefully I think one of the things we're hoping to do is kind of set a point of context with the story so that if anybody has any questions going into four... We've hit most of those points and why we like the games, what I've learned about the games since I've had to play them all, or since I've got to play them all um, in such a short time. So I have a lot of questions for Damon, who's been playing these games for uh, a lot longer than I have even really known about them, I guess. (laughs) And then lastly, I think after we're done talking about all of the games, we're going to kind of take a predictions approach to what we think the new game is going to try to cover in terms of story in the new God of War. All right, I think that about sums it up. You ready to get started? Let's go. All right, so God of War 1 opens on the Aegean Sea with Kratos on a vessel, a boat, surrounded by a bunch of other shipwrecked boats all over, and basically all hell is breaking loose as they're making their way towards Athens. Uh, Travis, tell me, what what did you think about just this opening sequence for this type of game? It was really neat. Um, you know, the, the monster itself is really big. You don't know what's going on. There are just some tentacles and stuff like that. Um, but you know there's absolute havoc. Um, this was the first experience I had with the game. And it being an older game, it's what I didn't like. You know, there was a lot of... I didn't know where to go, and there was nothing to show me, you know, what needed to happen. Um, I quickly got through that kind of through the first game, but that was my first experience was on this boat. Um, specifically in one of the scenes where you have to move a box to jump up to get an archer or something something trivial like yes. that. But, um, the mechanics here were very frustrating, but the story itself was quite compelling. Um, you know, you kind of all of a sudden you're on this boat, there's a bunch of things going wrong. Um, one thing that I learned quickly through a couple of the puzzles was that Kratos doesn't care if people are dying or not. People being, you know, actual people, not the monsters that are killing them, which was a surprise to me because I thought it was going to be much more of a heroic narrative than, uh, you know, what it actually is. Yeah, he's sort of the anti-hero going to do whatever it takes to accomplish his own agenda. And if that means killing innocent civilians who might be standing in his way, well, then that's their fault for being there. Uh, I really enjoyed the way that the game presented kind of the, the, the Greek mythology setting. It's kind of like an alternate universe. Um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way that, like, maybe the Marvel Universe is an alter universe, but this one is sort of, it takes a lot of the foundations. You'll see that with the, the, the gods, Zeus, Poseidon, Ares, Athena, and they kind of have their own version. And you, you see that as well with the bosses, for instance, the Hydra boss that, that you encounter in the sea here is kind of a different approach to the Hydra than I think we've seen before. And, and I like the way that they, they did this one, especially that, that one fight where you're fighting the big Hydra head surrounded by the two little ones, and you have to pin them down before you can make your way up to the top, before you finally uh, impale the giant Hydra head on the broken ship's mast. Yeah, I did. I had a problem with that. The, uh, just because on the PS Now streaming service, the way that on the computer I was playing... 
they didn't expand far enough to where I couldn't see the areas that were climbable on, on either <laughs> end of those. So I wound up trying to beat those uh, the two smaller heads in some of the craziest of ways, and I really got good at killing them until I realized that you just had to pin them down and then move your way up. Yeah, they continually and, uh, regain health every time you try to climb up if you don't. Every single time. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That yes. is one thing that the first game doesn't do very well sometimes is there's not a lot of indication for certain things that they want you to do. And that is that is one thing that I will say going back to playing the old original God of War that they improved upon as the games went through the series, giving you little... Maybe we make this part brighter. Maybe we help this like twinkle a little bit so you know to go there. Maybe we just kind of focus the camera a tiny bit so you have an idea of, I should check this out. And I think the first game kind of left a lot of that up to the players, almost to the point of frustration at times. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, one thing that really, actually, so I, I got this game maybe in 2010, and a, a friend of mine, Elton, gave me a copy to play and I made it to that fight and uh, I died I mean probably 20 times and I had a, the same issue the, when I played it again uh, after your recommendation and it was you who was I finally told you when I beat it and you're like yeah you know it, it's kind of hard at first and I was like yeah you know the wind blast you're like oh yeah you just gotta block them <laughs> I didn't even know you could block so I was like oh you know how frustrating that I made it that much harder on myself but again there was no Something that, you know, kind of in the tutorial mode, like whenever we talked about The Witcher, there is no tutorial mode where it goes through, and kind of, except for, you know, square, triangle, is, and then grab. Um, there wasn't really anything like that. And and I guess, you know, it is what it is. It's it's not a foreign concept, but uh, that was frustrating to me. Uh, but moving on past that, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this game was as you get to Athens and how the world at least the scenery itself I mean the games themselves are very linear uh, which is sometimes very frustrating because if you don't know where to go you have no idea where to go um, but the 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 scenery world I don't know just really opens up and you know you see Ares walking around in the background throwing you know these balls of fire at the the war and everything or like the war going on it was really cool um and I think that's something that stuck with me throughout playing this series and just seeing how they kind of build even up on that. Uh, what are your, some of your parts? So what, what I what I like about that part is, is exactly what you described. This was probably one of the first games where th- that sense of scale, as you're rounding the mountaintop into the city of Athens and you see Ares just gigantic in the background, stomping around the city, throwing gigantic flaming rocks and then you can actually they actually come into your your play area it's just it was probably one of the first times i think that games really explored that idea and the it, the cool thing about having it be linear when you're not getting lost and getting frustrated is the fact that they can control that sort of stuff what you see they're able to control that you know what your what's in your your field of vision and all that stuff so they're able to provide these just kind of amazing looking sets for you to explore and the city of Athens is, is has its a really nice aesthetic i think as you're making your way looking for the oracle because you're trying to find out how can you kill a god mm-hmm. athena says zeus has forbade the gods from fighting amongst each other so we need you to find a way to kill my brother Ares. And then that's where she says, search out the oracle. So um, Kratos goes to Athens and he finds the oracle where she then says, you must find Pandora's box. It's locked inside of the temple, which is chained to the back of this Titan, Kronos, who is crawling around this, this lost desert. And then you kind of backtrack your way through the city of Athens, which is kind of one of the biggest bummers about that game, is there's a lot of backtracking through a lot of parts. That is true. That was really frustrating to me. There was a part, that's when I actually looked for the guide, because <clears throat> there's a part where it's a lot of rooftop jumping, but there's this weird like loop that you have to make, and then there's a guy standing on the far side of a, a bridge that won't come up, and you need a ranged attack, and you know you don't have one. So there's no real breakaways or anything or, or linear path, but if you find your way downstairs and over this bridge, if you get close enough to, 
I don't know if it's a bridge so much as a swollen street from being hit by something. Um, but then that's whenever you can uh, go through and you get the power of Zeus, which is throwing lightning bolts and everything. And I thought that was a really cool touch. Uh, but that was a frustrating moment for me uh, trying to get to that. The thing about the game that I was I was frustratingly OK with was that you can you hit these like I'll call them like a bottleneck frustration point, And then you, you figure that part out and in the next 40 minutes or so. You're totally good. Like it's all, you know, boom, boom, boom. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. And then there's just that moment of a, you know, kind of a, uh, but once you figure that out, it's, it's a lot of fun. I do agree uh, with I, that. I liked it. Especially in the first game, they, they had a lot of those sort of funnels. You, you have mm-hmm. just these, these places where you're fighting and you're seeing a lot of enemies and you're doing a lot of stuff and you're, you're kind of traversing the environment and then you hit a wall and it's like, what yeah. do I have to do next? And sometimes it's really easy. You take a left turn and you go into this next area and it's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm where I needed to go. And then there's other times where you've kind of run in a circle and you've run in a circle and you're kind of wondering, where am I supposed to go? And the game's not giving me any hint. And that's the one thing about the original game that, that I, I will agree with you is kind of frustrating. Now, going back and playing it now, I find that my frustrations are different because I know where to go. I, I find that I get a little annoyed with the obtuse controls that they went with in those games mm. like tapping yeah. r2 to open a door whereas in future installments it was mapped to circle which made it way more easy um and then another thing that i think they did well was that there was a lot more varied bosses and spectacle in the newer games compared to the original one now the original one i think it did a nice job in terms of setting which after you move from the city of Athens, you go to this this desert of lost souls. And that part is probably my least favorite part of the game, simply because you're wandering around this foggy desert where where you are looking for these sirens. And I I hate that part. In all honesty, I can't stand it because you just kind of run in circles until you find all three of them to break the door down. And then after that, you get to probably one of the best settings in the franchise, and that's Pandora's Temple. What what is what what did you think of of that whole build up to the temple? I thought it was really interesting. Um, I didn't mind the Lost Soul Desert as much as you put it. You know, I didn't have it. I was through it about ten minutes, and I kind of just jumped through. I thought it was for those to be new enemies. I thought it was frustrating um, to have to fight them, and then the giant beasts or whatever that come up with them. So I kind of ran away, and they'd follow me, and I'd circle back when the siren was by herself and beat her that way. But that's a good idea. Beat, yeah, you beat those three and you make it through. And I thought the whole uh, was it Chronos? Uh, yes, Chronos so, is Pro- yes. He's he's forever, I guess, punished to carry the temple on his back. You know, yeah. as and that was the next. So moving on from like the the Ares, you know, dynamic scenery in the background, seeing that you know him actually moving, not just like this big still, uh, was really cool. Seeing that, and then it, that was the most frustrating bottleneck. I think for me was whenever you was at the sirens, but whenever you get up to the platform where you have to, uh, to actually get the horn to come up so that you can call him over so you can jump on him to get in the temple, you have to be like 12 sirens kind of like as they spawn. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I just, I kept getting frustrated. Ooh. You also didn't upgrade your, your magic powers, which I think is something that, Right? Yeah. Is that am I not am I am I incorrect in this? Did you not forget to upgrade your Poseidon's lightning? Yeah, so I didn't upgrade the Poseidon's rage. I upgraded the Zeus lightning and I thought that's what the one uh. you were talking about. And so but after you specified because I was I was complaining to you about it. You're like, "No, Poseidon's rage is not hard." And then all of a sudden I beat him the first try. Yes. And uh and I just really latched onto that for the rest of the game. But uh so that's that's pretty funny too that you know like each game I have kind of identified with like a power that I used a lot um, and, you know, the weapons themselves. Um, but then one thing I thought was really interesting was how like you get onto Pandora's temple and there's all these people there. So I didn't understand that. There's like these army of soldiers that, I mean, obviously a lot of them are dead. The guys burning the bodies, but you know, there are, there are bodies there when they're talking about how hard it is for people to find it. And it, they act like you're this giant guardian who's the only person who's ever been able to find it in, in a long time. Then there's bodies there being burned. Well, the thing is that people are trying to get the power from the temple. It's just that nobody's been been able to actually get that far. 
And you, you notice that when you're playing it because you're the first one to do a lot of this stuff. You're the first one to activate the Atlas statue and you're the first oh, yeah. one to get the, the, the trident of Poseidon and you're the first one to, to kind of rip the heads off of the, the architect's sons because they're the keys to the doors, which is kind of, when you think about it, really morbid, but that is the way that Greek mythology works. And, and they did a really good job of adapting that to the game where the gods of Greek mythology manipulated the people beneath them. And this is sort of an example where they hire this engineer to make the temple. And he, you know, he recruits his sons. And as they are dying, his sons, his wife, he has to bury them. And then he uses their, their heads as the keys to the, to get to further into the temple. I just really like that part. And then going off of what you said, one of my favorite parts of of that whole Pandora's temple is where you're outside and you're climbing along the cliffs and you see these gigantic chains that are chaining the temple to the back of Kronos. And you can literally see down all the way to the ground as he's crawling around and you see his body and his arms and legs. And that, that to me was just this mind blowing experience. And it's amazing to see how they were able to evolve that as they're, they got better with the, the game technology and everything. And it is one thing that I'm, I'm curious to see what they do in the newest one. Because with the, the new camera angle, I want to see how they take the scale of these fights to kind of match what they did even way back on the PS2. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, especially after listening to the Myths and Legends podcast. Um, you know, the way they talk about... Um, oh, yes, which we'll get to the, later. Right. But they, they just mentioned that, you know, they call what they do in these games camera cuts, and they're not going to be doing that moving forward, so... You know, I guess we'll talk a lot about how much we appreciated what they did with them here. Um, but I thought that was really neat because it, it they do really well at making these really big environments, but at small parts at a time. So you know you're in this big, you know, fortress and you know that it's moving, and, but all you need to do is get out of this hallway or get to the next big room or, right. you know, do those kind of things. And I thought that was that was really well done. Um, and then you make it outside. And there's a couple of places, um, you know, that we'll talk about through two and three where I thought, that was kind of the epitome of, of how well they could have done. Um, and it was really neat to see you kind of move out and he's still moving. You know, I'm assuming he knows you're there and it's just kind of a big, well, what the hell ever, you know, I'm just a guy crawling around. Right. And, um, but then as you go through and I thought the rings themselves were really neat kind of as you're making your way to the center of, uh, of the maze, um, specifically how you pass through what winds up being the main door, but you have to keep going you start passing through the trials, um, you know, one named after each of the brothers, right? Is it, it was Hades, Poseidon, and... Yeah, there's uh, the trials. So there's, I think there's the trial of Poseidon. There might be the trial of Atlas. There's the trial yes. of Hades. There's there's probably another one that I'm forgetting. But you're right. And then you have to align the rings after everything is said and done, which is just... It's probably one of my favorite parts is you're moving the, the doors around and you see everything kind of line up yeah. into focus. Right, and then that's what it triggers. I think it was a Zeus statue that takes you up to the Cliffs of Sorrow where you, you kind of go through a bunch and you find out that you know the, the architect, by the time that he had done this uh, favor for the gods, was just miserable. He wound up, you know, you find his head there as well. Yeah. Uh, or his body, you take his head. But it was just wound up being this real triumphant story of sorrow. And, you know, he was able to do all these things for the people that, you know, he thought had his best in mind and it wound up, you know, stripping everything that he cared about from him. Uh, and it was kind of sad, you know, the more you, you talk about it, the more you think about some of that stuff, this is definitely an anti-hero. Yes. Very well phrased type of game where you can't find yourself relating too much to anyone. And you know um, what, to, to, to go off of what you say there, there's that one puzzle, that cage push puzzle where you're pushing the, the, the soldier in the cage up the hill. And the yeah. whole time he starts to realize what you're doing and he's yelling at you to stop. And this is kind of an example where Kratos doesn't care what you what you can plead all you want. He's going to do what he needs to do to to accomplish whatever it is that he set out for. And you know that he has that was the really cool thing about this game, the reveal that he's not just angry and pissed off for no reason. He actually has a pl- pretty legitimate reason. Now he may have been power hungry, Spartan general, and on his which we find out after this part when you you fight the gigantic um steampunk minotaur sort of thing which is a really cool fight and then you end up impaling it to the door yeah and then 
Well, I think I might be getting ahead of myself, so we'll, we'll say that. So you fight the steampunk minotaur. It, it really, I just really like the, the aesthetic for that boss, and I like that whole fight, the way it goes down, and then you stun him, and you launch the gigantic log, and it pounds him to the door, and it opens the door, and you go up to the top, and you get the, the final key to get to where the box is located. And then tell me, what happens after you find the box for the first time? What do you mean? I'm trying to remember. So, Ares knows you have the box, and he does something very specific. Oh, he, he throws, um... He kills you. Yes. He throws a... Uh, what does he throw? Is he it- throws, like, a broken pillar or something, and he literally just launches it probably, like, 20, 30 miles yeah, through the like air. Yeah, it's like a dead aim hit straight on to where you, like... That was that was pretty crazy. I forgot all about that. Cause, and then the, um, the harpies, they come and they actually take the box uh, from your possession. Yes, and, you and they bring it to him. There. I forgot all about that. And then you go yeah, to Hades for the first time in the franchise, which is a location we will visit many, many more times. But every time you visit it, it's a little bit different. So I don't get too upset at the fact that you go to Hades in the second game. You go to Hades in the third game. You go to Hades in Chains of Olympus. But every time they do it, I think, one, they made it better. Because as many people will say, Hades, the area Hades, not the boss Hades. Or the, the god Hades. But the area in the first game has a cool aesthetic, but it is one of the most frustrating gaming sequences probably in the PS2's lifespan. It was just like for my first time, or I guess my only time to play through it, it was really interesting because it was the most one of the most linear parts of the game. Where, you know, like all of a sudden you're in this brand new area. You know that there's another god that you could meet here that could be a part of the assistance to kill Ares and everything. And there's not. There's no supernatural anything. It's just, uh, you know, you go through. You're, you're balancing a lot. You're doing all these things. And uh, and you make it to the giant spinning tower looking things. The, the, the blades of Hades. I, I mean, worst part ever. Um, but, oh, ooh, I, I want to talk about this part. So once you get past that and you start to make it back... You at the very beginning of the game, as you're going up to the te- uh, the, the temple yes. of the Oracle, you meet this weird dude with a long beard who's like, oh, it's, and like a know, he's like a dead grave. eye, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just like your typical like looks like the Jafar from Aladdin when he's dressed up as the weird guy. But that's a really good comparison. I like that. Yeah, and uh, and he's you know he's like this grave's for you, and and you know you leave that, and you're like what the hell, and you forget about it, and then all of a sudden you know. Kratos is climbing out of Hades, and then a hand comes down, and it's this crazy-looking dude. And so, like, it was, like, the, the Sisters of Fate type of thing. Like, the whole thing was was meant to happen the way in which it did. Anyway, and then you're outside of the hole, and, uh, and you're yes. back in front of the temple and everything. And I, I just thought that was a really, really, for the lack of story for me that was that was a part of Hades to turn into that, I was like, I was really impressed. I thought it was a really cool way to do that. Now, did you, did you, I, I, I spaced out for a second. Did you say who you thought the gravedigger was? I, no, I don't. No, so that was. the gravedigger is, is actually Zeus in disguise. Oh, really? Yes. And how do you know that? I, I, if you, when you play ghost of Sparta, you will find that out. I know that's the one game that you haven't finished yet. You've played about halfway through it. I want to say, um, but uh, at the end of it, you, you know that, that that's who it is. Interesting. Um, and people people theorize that that was him because he's helping you kind of indirectly. He's digging this hole because he knows what's going to happen. You know, he knows you're going to this, you're going to end up down there, and you're going to need a way out. And he kind of prepares that for you, kind of in, in an indirect manner, without giving you, you know, like saying, "Here you go." Like I'm going to help you get out of Hades. Right. Um, right. Because at that point, you know, create. I'm not going to need to go to Hades. Yeah, exactly. That's my Kratos right there. That's a very Um, good one. Thank you. I've been practicing. Um, Speaking of beard watch. And uh, the... (laughs) So I I thought it was really neat. You know, kind of moving on to the fact of... One thing that I I really like after playing the other two games is how iconic the opening of the box really is. Right. Um, You know, for this... Like, for this moment, all of a sudden, you're excited because, oh, my God, I opened it, and now I'm as tall as Ares, so now it's a fair fight. And uh, and then you realize that uh, at the beginning of the game, was it? It was the beginning of the game, right? When you're, you're Right when you get walking. to Athens, and you get to those yeah. cliffs there, yeah. 
Yeah, and then the you realize of madness. The, the giant um the sword you bridge. Know, bridge that you were there was actually a sword and now you are big enough to pick it up. Right. I think you I think we skipped a part real quick though. I think before he opens the box and he gets back to Ares, there's the part where Ares kind of tries to trap you in your your memory. And that's where you, 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 they kind of revisit the fact that Kratos isn't just a jerk for no reason. He actually was tricked into murdering his wife and child oh, that's right. by that Ares. And then he is now cursed to wear the ashes of that incident, his, the ashes of his dead family on his skin. And that's why he's white, that, like, like ghost white. And that's where you find out for the first time that that is why he, he looks the way he does. And I thought when they revealed that, it did a really good job because they actually make you feel bad for Kratos at that part. And I didn't, I don't think I realized it, you know, 10, 12 years ago when it came out compared to now, when I actually replayed the series again in anticipation, I was like, Oh, I, I actually feel a little bit bad for him. Like more so than I did when I, when I first played it, because he was tricked into, yes, he was power hungry. And he, on his deathbed said, Ares, destroy my, my foes, and my life is yours. And that's where he comes in, gives him these chains, he decapitates the barbarian king, and then he's set off on this, this murderous rampage by Ares, who wants to make him the ultimate warrior, basically. Right. Right, and that's base, Ares basically justifying himself, saying, yeah, that's me doing you a favor so that you can exactly. realize everything you ever wanted. And uh, it definitely it puts you in this humanistic standpoint of like of realizing that maybe the vengeance is a tiny bit justified, um, and it, it just sort of shows you why he's so focused on vengeance and, and doesn't care that you know he's going back. You know he's on this boat and all these people are getting killed. He's not trying to save anyone. He's trying to make sure that the people who hurt him and his family, who how he sees it, you know, pay in the long run. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good. And then the, just the, the, the final fight with Ares, where you do, like you said, you grow to be the size of Ares. You rip the bridge off and use it as a, you know, you use the sword bridge as an actual sword, and you're fighting against Ares. I liked the, I liked the concept behind the fight where it's this tug of war. You hit him, you take his health, and he loses health. He hits you, he takes your health, and you lose a little bit. And it, you have to kind of, you have to. It's a, it's cool in theory, but in, in in practice, especially on harder difficulties, is really frustrating because you can get hit and then totally negate everything you've done, and you have to kind of be flawless in your execution. And I didn't enjoy that going back to it now. Well, that was not a problem that I had on easy mode. <laughs> so uh, that's a, that's a first world problem, uh, but yes. I can definitely see that being frustrating. It is, and I will say that when the game, when I went back to replay it now, I have no shame in saying. When the game offered me the option to play it on easy, I said, I just want to beat it for the cutscene. So, yes, of course. I, I hammered the easy button. And then I got a trophy that said, Getting My Ass Kicked, and I laughed pretty hard for a few minutes. And then I went, I went through and finished it. Yeah. Um, which I thought was hilarious that the game actually offers you a trophy for dying so many times that you, you succumb to the easy mode suggestion. Yeah, it does. And uh, what did you think of the towards the end of the game? Kind of whenever you you talk to Athena, and she has this such a direct narrative with you, like like a connection that I think people aren't necessarily understanding. And uh, and he, you know it kind of goes, and he's you know I, I did everything that you had asked to be. Now now you repay this promise, and she she kind of just lays the smack down. Well, she saying, says you know, right. Yeah, we never know, said we, we would forgive well, you, or we, we, well, would, we would erase yeah, your memory. Yeah, she says the opposite. She says, you know, yes. the gods have forgiven you, but we will not take those memories away. Yes. And he's like, you know, he's, he's not at all happy about that turnout. No, because he thought that if I do everything in service to the gods, they will repay me by removing these memories. And I think that, you know, it's, it's cool for the game. And it, it, I think it's going to serve the narrative a lot. You will, as we'll see as we move through two and three, but then into the future, that memory is still with him, even now. Centuries later, I'm sure, is how much time has passed in between. So I'm, yeah. I'm really curious to see. Um, so at the end of God of War One, Athena makes a statement. There's now an empty throne on Olympus, and you you take the stairs up 
the, the golden stairs all the way up to the palace and you take your seat on the throne of the god of war and Kratos becomes the new god of war. And um, I thought that was just a really awesome ending and it kind of gives you a cool little like twist on the, the title of the game. The game's about the god of war Ares, but then it's also about you becoming the god of war. I, I Maybe I'm looking into that too much, but I thought that was really cool and to this day I still find that kind of neat. No, you're absolutely right. I think that that's... Like, for me, it was kind of like... <laughs> Family Guy made a joke a long time ago. And it was uh, like whenever they say the name of a song or of a movie in in the game or in the movie or in the song. And it's like, oh. Um, but that's when I was like, oh my god, wait. Maybe they weren't talking about he's hunting the god of war. <gasps> now he is the god of war. And, right. And I thought that was just so funny. But... Yeah. It was, no, a, cool, th- it was a cool thing to see. You know, kind of like... Because it was like, okay, fine. They didn't do this... But they are going to, you know, they're going to do you a solid here. And now you're a part of Olympus. I, how is Kratos going to respond? Um, and then you kind of move on to God of War 2 to see from there. Yes. So, it, you haven't played Ghost of Sparta yet, but Ghost of Sparta kind of explores a little bit of the timeline between 1 and 2 as Kratos' time as the God of War. And we find out, we'll dive into this just real quick before we move on. Why the gods hate Kratos so much? Because he was a he was a real prick as the god of war. Because he was mad, understandably so, that he had been duped this whole time by more gods. And he goes on this conquest where he's conquering city after city after city. And he destroys the temple of Poseidon. And he, he, he buries Atlantis. And that's kind of kind of a cool... You know, Atlantis is the lost continent sort of thing. That's a kind of the, the game's interesting way of explaining that. And then Kratos finds his mother, and she's been trapped there. And why was she trapped there? And he ends up killing her because she turns into a monster. And then he finds out that his brother was imprisoned by the gods. And he goes on this conquest now to find his brother and figure out what happened. And then I'll leave it there so that when you play it, you get to see a little bit more. But it kind of does a nice diving into Kratos' backstory and giving him a little bit more sense of why he is so angry in God of War 2 and God of War 3. I think that's, that's I'm glad you stopped there because I want I think that's the one I'm going to play next um, then I'll play Ascension last but um, it's it's interesting to see because you know as of God, like when God of War 2 opens, um, well this, do, are you ready to go ahead and move on into Yes, into so let's move God right into God of War 2 now Okay so, like, so remember what I said. He's on this conquest and goes to Sparta, and you hit that one where you, he, he decides, I'm going to conquer Atlantis. Yeah. Well, he continues that into God of War 2, obviously, and it leads you into the city of Rhodes. Oh, right. Right. And that's that was one of, I think, the most interesting parts of, you know, whenever I... I and I think we talked about this on episode two or three of the, uh, the actual Hopeless Professionals podcast listing. And uh, how, you know, you're kind of in this big area and then the Colossus gets brought to life because, you know, you, you get summoned and, you know, he flies down there like a, like a meteor and he hits the ground. He starts fighting with everybody. And then how does he, what happens after? Why is he so, so small? So he lands in the city of Rhodes, the size of, of Ares, basically in the first game. And he's stomping on shit and, and punching buildings and breaking things. And then all of a sudden, this eagle comes down. And Kratos, rightly so, assumes that it's Athena because Athena stopped him as he was making his jump from Olympus down into the city. And she says, what you're doing is making the gods angry. You need to stop. And he says, I don't have to listen to you. The gods have abandoned me. Pushes her aside and jumps down. So this eagle comes down and hits him. And it basically turns him little. Now, he's, he's back to normal size, but he still has all of his godlike powers. The eagle flies to the Colossus of Rhodes and kind of transfers the energy that it stole from Kratos into that. And the Colossus comes to life. And then you have that just really excellent opening scene where you're tiny inside of the buildings and you're fighting. And the Colossus is punching through walls and he's in the background and he's, and he's kind of... It takes the Ares fight from the... Or the, the Ares scene in the first game where you see him in the background and puts you right into it. Yeah, and I thought that was really cool how they were able to do that. It, it takes, it's kind of, to me that showed what, like, immediately what they're able to do with the scale of, 
of, you know, here's this big thing, but we're going to really make it dynamic and you're going to be a part of it. And so as you're, you're kind of doing these things, trying to make it to the, to the open area so you can start, you know, trying to kill him, he's punching through walls. You see him kind of looking through windows, trying to find you just as, just as quickly. And I thought that was just so fun because it puts some urgency on you where, you know, you, you want to hurry up because you need things to happen so yeah. that you can, you know, so that you can put up a good fight and not just get punched through a wall. And then, you know, you can only damage him uh, through certain ways because of his size. Um, and I thought it was even cooler how the way that you kind of move through, you kind of put some holes in him or whatever, and then you wind up uh, jumping through and you, you were able to get inside of the Colossus, which is, you know, ultimately made of wood. Right. Now, hold on. on before you, you before you get there, though, what what there the sword comes down from the sky. Before you oh, get that, into that him. was that was before. Yeah, so the sword comes okay. flying down and lands in that 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 center plaza, and you hear Zeus say, "Transfer your powers to the sword, in order to get the the power to kill the Colossus." And Kratos kind of dumbly just does it, like you would well, no, think he, he, he says, would, uh, "He says, you know, why would you aid me?" And he says, "Everything that I do that's now is right. for the good of Olympus." You're right, and he's not wrong. Or he's not. Zeus is, is technically thinking in his own benefits here. So Kratos pours all of his godly powers into the blade, goes inside the Colossus, like you said, and you see there's like gears and there's wood and there's chains, and you break them down and you get up to the top and you end up blowing up the, the brain of the Colossus, sort of. Yeah. And he comes out, lands in the plaza and says, do you see what, what I can do? And the hand of the Colossus comes down and just crushes him. Yeah, it was really rude. Um, <laughs> kind of how that played out. Um, I really liked the fight mechanically. And one of the things to talk about was this was a game that started just like the first one so fast. So you're, there's no up, there's no like wind up or anything. You're just immediately in everything. And unlike the first one, there, I didn't fight with any type of mechanic or any camera angle for the sake of progression. Yes. Everything was kind of a smooth downhill run of this, that, or whatever, transitioning into this, transitioning into this. And then, uh, you know, you kind of get put into that place where, you know, now all of a sudden you're standing in front of Zeus with the sword. And, uh, you know, you're kind of wondering what's about to happen. And uh, I'll let you pick it up there just because of your experience with the game. So he he stands up from after being clobbered, broken. He's 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 like a broken bones and he's got cuts everywhere and he's kind of whimpering towards Zeus who is holding the sword and you can hear in the background all of the Spartan warriors going, "What's wrong with him? What's he doing? Why won't he stand up?" And then you 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 try to fight Zeus and you swing your blades around like you have absolutely no energy. And Zeus just rams the blade of Olympus straight through his abdomen and kills you again. And then Kratos takes his second journey to Hades. But then this is the really interesting twist where the Titans decide we're going to aid you in your your revenge against Zeus. Well, this is also when you realize that the narrator has been Gaia all along. Yes, that's very true. I forgot to mention that. I don't know if they meant to do that in the first game, but it was a really nice way to add all of that in to the second one. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was pretty neat because you're just kind of like, oh, well, cool. You know, that's that's pretty pretty easy there. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to remember because I keep, I think that right now I'm thinking of three, but so you go down to Hades. And it's just, there's there's hands everywhere and you climb out. It's not, it's not very long. Oh, that's right. That's right. Then you come back up. And she gives you Pegasus, and you take yeah. Pegasus to. You're supposed to go to the island of creation. That's your your next goal. And along the way, you end up stopping crashing yeah. on in, on the the lair of Typhon. Typhon is a different Titan who has been trapped inside of this mountain there, and he he traps your Pegasus, and you have to find a way to get the Pegasus out. And as you're making your way through the lair of Typhon. You find Prometheus, and it was kind of cool where they're kind of now, they're giving you even more Greek mythology characters in this game. In kind of a really interesting and unique take on the mythology, which is something I'm hoping to see what they do in this newest installment with the Norse mythology. Taking their 
a basis and kind of twisting it to make a narrative for a game that is enticing and interesting. So you end up sacrificing Prometheus, which he begs you to do. You sacrifice him to the fire. You gain the the rage of the Titans, I think it's called in this game. And you're able to then free the Pegasus and make your way to the island of creation. Now, I want to know, what did you think of the island of creation versus the Temple of Pandora? I liked it. Just I feel like it, there was much more. It was more vibrant, um, which which might just be a preference based on the actual scenery. Um, I feel like you know the island of creation. Everything was kind of bigger, able to do things instead of more closed off. Kind of it's a little more static, but it yeah. is bigger in scale. The uh, one of the, the my favorite part about the, this whole beginning part of the game, except maybe the Colossus fight. Is the uh, the steeds the steeds of time? Oh yes, one and, of my favorite uh, scenes. Yeah, and it was really cool. And so the the steeds were a gift from Kronos to the sisters of fate to try and stop his fate of his son, you know, killing him. Yes, which his son was Zeus. And so the but he ate the rest of his kids, so he was kind of a jerk too. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's that's cine- cinematic where it right. shows him, you know, try to eat Zeus. It was, it was a little weird. And he but, eats the uh, rock, yeah. But yeah, uh, you know, I thought that was really cool. How my first thought was, I thought it was just going to be like a giant bridge, like you know, you kind of make your way up one chain, which is which is the scene that I'm thinking about. How you're like running on one of these giant chains that are ten of your own body long, and uh, you make it there. You you have some. What do you fight? You fight a Theseus. Yeah. So Theseus in Greek mythology, is actually a son of Zeus. Um, He's a demigod. And I don't think that that's where they were going in this one. But, you know, they they kind of make it interesting where he is the keeper of the steeds. And Kratos just decides... Well, he, he actually provokes him and says, I don't think you can kill me. You're not strong enough anymore. And Kratos is like, listen, dude, you get out of my way or I'm going to kill you. And he does exactly that by performing the Kill Bill maneuver on his head with the Hmm. door. Yeah, he does do that. That's pretty... Uh, dude, that was pretty... Pretty fucking yeah. crazy. <laughs> but then you end up activating the steeds afterwards, which is really awesome. And then you see this really cool scene where the steeds pull the Temple of Creation together. And then you go back and you see that now, as you make your way back up this gigantic chain, everything is shifted. And you kind yeah, of can get to this whole everything new area. Through, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then as you're going through and you start, uh, I don't know if it's unlocking, but as you do certain things, you're unlocking what I believe was that was actually a phoenix? Or is it that's, a giant crow? You're right. That's where, that, that, that's where you get after this whole... That's, that's your... In order to get to where in the, the, the island of creation the sisters are hiding, you need to get to the phoenix. But before that, Kratos gets this really cool time-stopping power, which I think did a really neat job of the puzzles in this game. It gives you a, it a, it a new a mechanic. feel. Like yes. A very unique feel for two. Yeah, I forgot all about it. That was good. Yeah, because that part, and I, I do forget about that part, but it comes right after that. You break the eye of the, the statue or the arm or whatever is holding that green gem, and then you can use that to slow down time, and it just gives you a really cool way of manipulating the environment in, in the puzzles. And then you find yourself in the... Um, What's it? It's the Bog of the Forgotten, and you fight a really cool boss in that scene. Uh, why don't you tell me about that? The Bog of the Forgotten, which was that whenever you... I'm trying to remember. I, my favorite part was the uh, the first sister fight. Oh, that is a great part. But So in the Bog of the Forgotten, Kratos is wandering through, and he hears this this galloping behind him, and he turns around, and he sees that it's the Barbarian King. Oh. Yeah, it's like, the guy that originally killed him. Yeah, who that he was going to kill him, and then basically Kratos says, Ares, destroy my foes, and, and I'll be kill rich. him. And so then you do this really cool part where he catches onto the horse and is being dragged through the swamp, and yeah. then you fight him, you steal his hammer, you end up smashing him with it. It's just, it's just a really cool fight as he, the, he's like shrinking up and down, as he's absorbing and losing the souls in the bog. I just really like that part. Um, and then before, after you finish him, you make your way to Uriel's temple, which is another instance of, like, just like Uriel is Medusa's sister, I believe. 
she's a gorgon. She has, um, she's she, she's bigger, obviously, in this game than the Medusas that you fought, which is really cool. Yeah. And you find Jason of the Argonauts is there, and he has the Golden Fleece, and he ends up getting eaten by the Cerberus. So you have to kill the Cerberus and take the Fleece back, and the Fleece allows you to deflect enemy attacks. You can reflect the the stone gaze. You can reflect projectiles. And it adds a really cool tactical feel to the combat. And it just... The game kind of moves you through these really unique-looking set pieces. And just... I, that's the one thing about the second game compared to the first game that I enjoy so much is the way that the environments continually change as you move and you get to see all of these different things. And then... I think after all of that, you finally get back to... Is that the, when you get to the bridge? Yes. And then Icarus is is totally freaking out because it's, you know, his fate to cross the bridge. And That's uh, exactly right. And I thought that was really a really cool take, especially now after playing the rest of the series and... Um, God, Chains of Olympus. Um, you know, you, you fall... With him, you, I mean, obviously you rip his wings off. You have those for all. And you of steal the him, game. and he f- falls down into his death. Yeah, that was what a jerk, Kratos. Uh, but then Kratos lands and starts, you know, winds up having this dialogue sequence with Atlas, who, you know, you, you kind of find out who he actually put in the position that he's in. Yes, exactly. And I thought that was a really interesting. Uh, interesting turn of events there but you know and then once you get back up and you know he lets you get back you know you leave the underworld again and uh so i guess you go twice in this game but that right but he's not dead in that part he purposefully goes down there when he's fighting icarus which i like the icarus fight too because you're fighting him as you're falling and you're punching him and you guys are kind of changing places you know as you're falling that was just a really Unique, the, the, just the fights in this game. There's so many different fights, and and the mechanics behind them. They're all different, and they're just all so interesting. Um, it, it really makes me excited to to think about when you think about what they were able to accomplish with boss fights in three. What they're going to do in this next one? Yeah, yeah, and I, I like, I really like the puzzles in the the next part, and how I feel like some in some of these puzzles, it was as satisfying as like one of those boss fights where. Your the the areas or the arena themselves is actually pretty big, and it is more of a puzzle. And in some of these areas, you had to actually push through where you were at to find other doors to unlock certain parts. You know, what am I trying to say? Um, I know what you mean. Yeah, like there's that one area where you go through the door, and you have to make your way to the different levels, and then you can push, you know, some of the rocks down so that you can balance the scales because the one of the main mechanics are the, there's these like Medusa looking eyes that shoot and put a force field on your exits. And so you have to, you have to basically block them. And then in, then one, you use the fleece and a broken pillar. And I just thought that was so neat because it, yeah. it, it, it looks like desperation. Like it doesn't look like part. everything fits together perfectly. And it shows kind of the will of this dude to, to get to, uh, you know, where everybody tells him he can't go. Well, he's so angry that he is determined to, kind of reset his fate to to pick his own fate. And he he thinks that this is going to free him of the memories. And what we find is that it it really it doesn't. It doesn't help him. Yeah. So I wanna Indeed. say um there's I think we skipped a fight and we'll just talk about it real quick, but the Perseus fight, the guy oh, who turns invisible the in silhouette. the water. Wait, wait, no, oh, no, we missed another part. And then, well, yes, we did. And then we missed the the the, the Kraken fight. But I, I think we were kind of getting there. But so the Perseus fight is is near that part where you, where we were talking about before you get up to the, the next scene with all the puzzles. You fight this guy in the water. He turns invisible and he's running around, and you kind of see his footsteps in the water. And then you end up killing him by impa- kicking him through a wall. And impaling him on a giant hook. Because he's yelling. He keeps yelling and then you find your way into that room and then he, he calls you all these names because you dropped the door. And then uh, basically he's like, oh, you fool, you know, this was our exit and now we're both just trapped here. And then he starts questioning things. He's like, oh, oh well, yeah. The fates, the fates have put you, the ghost of Sparta, in front of me. I must best you in order to get my audience with them. And That's so then he, right. you know, he, he decides that it's you guys just need to duke it out. 
and uh, and Kratos wins that fight. Uh, you would in, think in people would know manner. not to challenge him at this point. Yeah, I mean, considering he's killing every known character you can find in a book, um, <laughs> you know, I, it's just kind of the way that it is. But um, I thought that was a really cool way of of doing that, and uh, I did have a lot of fun with that fight. And then, like you said, after that, you make your way, before you get to the, the Kraken fight, there's this really cool 2D silhouette fight. And you don't know who this person is, and he obviously doesn't know who you are. And Kratos isn't going to stop for anybody, obviously. And he impales him, and he, they, they jump through the window, and he realizes, this is the, the Spartan general that I said to go to Sparta and, and gear up. Why, why are you here, is what he says. He's like, I told you to go to Sparta. And he says, Zeus came and destroyed everything. And then that just only further enrages Kratos more. Does he kill the general? Yeah, he had killed him on the way through the window. He stabs him and they land in the courtyard. And then he's like, that's why he's like, what are you doing here? I told you to go to Sparta. And then there's a nice little cutscene that plays out where they they show the whole thing just getting totally ravaged by Zeus. Yeah, Zeus is kind of an asshole. Um, Remind me of the... So, the Kraken fight. What am I not remembering about that fight? So, the Kraken fight, you you activate, like, these these pillars in that part there. And then as you're getting ready to make your way across the bridge to where the phoenix is being housed, this gigantic thing with the two tentacle arms and the giant mouth... And oh, all that's the teeth. Right. Yeah, it kind of comes out at the end. Yes. The, yeah. That was and, cool. you know, in, in all honesty, I don't remember a lot of the mechanics, but I remember there being a part where you have to, you trap his, I think you trap his arms down and you end up extending the bridge through his skull. And it just, yeah. it just launches him and impales him. And then you make your way across the bridge after you kill him and you kind of just walk over his dead corpse. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of like falls down and then you jump over. And uh, one of the mechanics in this game is the fact that you can jump from harpy to harpy in midair, and you. That's actually God of War three. I'm pretty sure that was not in two. Mm, You're right. Anyway, so you jump on the phoenix using circle, and uh, the phoenix takes you over to the uh, the area where you could find the sisters of fate. And uh, it was pretty. It was pretty cool to find out how you kind of uncage the phoenix, and then it's just kind of waiting there. Yeah, I really enjoyed that part. You have to lower the... You lower the egg into the lava, right? Right. And then it's kind of reborn in the flame, which is the whole phoenix. That's the whole mythology behind the phoenix. It's this bird that it dies and is reborn from the flames. Yeah, Harry Potter. Yeah, that's true. I I, I like that movie a lot. Anyway, (laughs) um, but it's really cool. And I feel like that kind of gives you maybe a little bit of a, a metaphorical rebirth for Kratos... But then he kind of goes and he decides to murder the Sisters of Fate. So, okay, so you awaken the phoenix, you fly on it kind of like the Pegasus, and you go up to the Temple of the Sisters, where they, the, the central location of all three Sisters of Fate are. And if I remember correctly, you walk in and you fight the, the, the first two sisters, um, Lachesis and Atropos, and you fight them in this big uh, arena with lots of mirrors all around you. And there's some really cool mechanics there where they kind of pull you into, like, this alternate um, vision of where you fought Ares in the first game, and you're fighting on that giant bridge sword. Well, that's—so you—I think, if I remember correctly, you actually go in, you fight the super hot one first. That sounds right. And then once you beat her, the crazy sister pulls you through the mirror. You fight in that alternate reality of— you know, whenever you were fighting Ares, and once you beat her there, then you fight both of them at the same time. Right. Where That's right. you're in combat with the the first sister, with the uh, second sister coming through the mirrors and doing ranged attacks at you and, and that kind of thing, oh, which was God. really cool. Yes, I love that part. Yeah, it was a fun fight. And then I love the part where at the end he traps them in the mirror and then just shatters it. It's kind of like a neat ending. It's not like the ultra-violent sort of finishers from some of the other fights uh, but it has like a nice kind of finality to it right it kind of shows that this is you know it's a different fight you know you can't necessarily kill them like he does at literally everything else except for the next sister which we're about to get to so after that he makes his way through 
And is this is this next part where you do the little phoenix puzzle where you're turning the phoenix statue to burn the ice? I think it um, is. I think it is, or it might have been before that oh, to well, get the whatever. So, but that's a really cool puzzle. I like how that one's done. You kind of are turning it and you're dissolving the the, the ice so that you can find the way forward. <clears throat> Does ice dissolve? Well, melts. You know what I mean. Oh, okay. Anyway. And then as you're making your way down the hallway, you see this just gigantic Jabba the Hutt-looking sister. Um, And her name is Clotho. And she is the keeper of the loom of fate, basically. And you get this really cool battle where you're you're making your way down and you're fighting like these waves of enemies and, and you keep getting locked off and you have to kind of go as quickly as you can to get to the actual loom area where all of the threads are being kept. And then I believe that this is a really interesting part of the game because not only are you trying to maneuver the environment, but you're also trying to find a way to kind of defeat this character, maybe sort of indirectly. Yeah, it's an interesting way as you're making your way up to be able to, you know, really see her that she's, you know, she's gigantic. Probably one of the biggest bosses you fight that's stationary. Yes. You start making your way up, you know, I'll call them rings, but they're more floors. And then as you're going up these floors, there are different ways where you can trap her little tentacle-looking arms. And as you trap those, different areas come available for you to continue to climb. And then, you know, you make it up directly to her, which, you know, starts a couple different mechanics. Um, I believe the primary one where you're able to best her is where you use the chains to grab onto sort of like a, a car ramrod and uh, you slap her in the face with a giant stick and that kills her well he takes the he turns the the blade because oh, that's, you right. have that's to, what it was yeah it's this big swinging blade and you turn it to face her and then he he swings it and it just basically goes straight through the side of her head and then what happens after so after that it, it kind of unlocks a series of threads and right. there's like a big portal behind, and you have to go through these threads. It's like a painting sort of that shows you the different... I think Mario 64. Yeah, it's a, a very, very good um, comparison. As, as you, have to find, you have to find Kratos' thread, and as you're pulling it back, he pulls it back to that battle with Zeus. And he basically comes through and stops Zeus from killing himself, and then, not Zeus killing Zeus, but Zeus killing Kratos. And then you get to this... This fight that is probably one of the longest, maybe sort of tedious boss fights in the entire series. Um, Insanely frustrating. It's very, it's cool because there's so many different scales going on. There's like the big Zeus in the, and then he's little, and and you're 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 fighting him in the environment. But he does like this weird like drunken stagger. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you remember that? I hate yeah. that part. It makes me so angry every time he does that. Where he like is just like swinging and kind of stumbling, and you can't stun him. And if you get caught in like his his crossfire, you just take so much damage. I don't enjoy that part, but I do enjoy the part where you're you're fighting him and he's falling into the pillars, and then Kratos is using his his godly strength to basically just crush Zeus under the rubble. And then you you regain the the blade of Olympus, and you finally stab Zeus right through the chest and then as you're doing that somebody comes through to basically say stop, what are you doing? That fight so the frustration for me I I like the fight, I like the scale of everything and kind of like how it was a pretty dynamic encounter the problem for me was I wanted to watch it yeah. and so then like it goes into these cinematics in, in typical God of War fashion you're watching it and you're like oh my god and then it's like hit a button and you don't hit that, that button is... and it sends you back three minutes yes. to redo you know more of it and you're like well damn it then you make it a little bit further and it goes ten seconds or so without a button call and you're like okay now I'm just watching and then it comes up and you don't do it and it sends you back even further that was the frustrating part for me and it's not um, like it's not like you fail it and you take a little bit of damage you fail and it's an instant death. Yeah, yeah, you have to completely start over. Um, but it, you know, it is what it is. But it was, it was really crazy. Whenever you know, uh, like you were saying, when Athena jumps in the way of uh, as you're lunging, the sword of Olympus. yeah, the blade yeah. of Olympus, and you just impales her, and 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 that's it. Athena's dead, done. Yeah, I was like, what? 
good. And he's like, he's like, why did you do that? And then she said, because I needed to stop the cycle of sons killing their fathers. And then that's the big revelation where you find out that Kratos is also Zeus's son. Right. And so then you're like, oh, my God. And then that's it. Game over. Well, almost. So then then Kratos says, OK, I'm going to do something else now. And you're not really sure what he's doing. And he goes back to the loop and he goes back and he starts pulling. You pull the thread again and you're kind of like, OK, what am I doing here? And he goes back to the great war between the Titans and the Olympians. And he comes out and he basically just, if I remember the cutscene correctly, which is one of my favorite cutscenes in the entire franchise, he kind of like shows up and goes, hey, everybody. And they all turn around and look at him and he goes, follow me, we're going straight to Olympus. And then it cuts to, this is the end of two, cuts to him on the back of Gaia where he says, Zeus, your son has arrived. I, you know, I come for something of Olympus or whatever, or the destruction of Olympus. Yeah, I come carry, or I come I bearing come, yes. the destruction of Olympus. And then the game ends. And yeah. then the best part about it, this is my favorite, I think one of my favorite transitions in the entire series, is you, you, you go, you start three, and three starts literally at that same spot. Yeah, yeah. The, the campy dialogue is sometimes my favorite part of the franchise, and sometimes I just can't help but shake my head. Uh. Apologies for the abrupt cutoff there, but this turned out to be way longer than we expected originally. So thanks for listening to part one of our God of War spoiler cast, and please continue immediately on to part two. Thank you.